Welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode 162. It took me a second to think of that. Today is March 30th, 2012. Today's guest is Tim Elsenberg from Sweet Billy Pilgrim. I'm very excited about this. I was so happy he joined me today. I've been following them for quite a while. Really, 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 really love Sweet Billy Pilgrim. But before we get into that, we're going to have some music. I'm going to start things off with Derek Bischoff. This is from his recent album, Composed track is called Eyes, and it features a vocal from David Byrne.
That's Derek Bischoff with the track Eyes from his recent album, Composed. David Byrne, you probably recognized his voice there. That's a great song. I'm really, really loving that album. Uh, later on in the show, I'm going to have a uh, CD giveaway. I have a copy of Tim, well, uh, Sweet Billy Pilgrim's new album, Crown and Treaty. Tim Elsenberg is joining us later in the show, but I want to play a little bit of music first. Let's hear some new beard. A little bit of Sweet Billy Pilgrim, a little later, just a little. And uh, we're going right now into uh, Beach House. This is from their newest album, just out last week, I think. Uh, the album's Bloom. This track is called Lazuli.
than the hour it takes to clear out half the level OCD takes over my hands and I know, I know why I cannot return in my life This fun is everlasting, I don't mind not being myself No I don't, no I don't You won't stand still So why should the world, why should the world You won't stand still So why should the world, why should the world win? Be standing in your way Every corner I turn around Another easy target put into beneath his blonde hair Oh my god, now it's red When was the last time I had a shape? I can't remember Someone stopped rambles in my eyes I slept in bed You should stand still So I should the world
So that was a joyful reunion from the new album from Sweet Billy Pilgrim, Crown and Treaty. And joining us now is Tim Elsenberg. I'm always, every time I pronounce names wrong, just because. Mm. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Oh, yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. Uh, so this new album, it's just been released a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, that's about right, yeah. Uh, so, so many questions I have for you. I've been following you for a while. I came across... Uh, a blog year like years ago probably 2005 was that when your first yeah. album came out 2005 2004 2005 yeah i think it was so uh yeah ever since then i've been following sort of loosely and i'm a huge david sylvian fan and suddenly there was this david sylvian connection that you guys were released on um samadhi sound how did that come about uh it was basically because i i did a remix for him um and it was one of those really, really just, just lucky chance, really. Um, I, I said I'd love to do a remix, and kind of a friend of a friend knew his management, um, and so he just sent me the, the files for something off um, one of his albums. And I, yeah, I remixed it, not thinking in a million years that he'd ever, you know, consider putting it on the, the remix album, and he did. Um, and kind of from there, it, it kind of progressed into regular emails, and then I started sending him mixes of stuff. And it was kind of one of those dream come true situations where where I had a, an email relationship with him, whereby I could I could ask him, you know, how he did certain records and how those sounds came about. And at the same time, I could send him stuff that I was doing uh, for his well for his input. His kind of you know, if the mix was right, um, you know, if he was um, if he thought the interest uh, the direction I was going in was interesting. Um, and then at some point he just said, well, why don't we put this out on, on my label? Um, and, you know, about two seconds later I agreed. Um, <laughs> you waited and, that long? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was taking a sip of coffee. I think at the time, <laughs> yeah, that slowed me down. But um, yeah, it was just amazing, really. I mean, that's as I said, it's kind of a dream come true that you, first of all, that you get to meet someone whose music you've kind of grown up with, mm-hmm. and then you know to work with with someone like that is 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 amazing too. So I learned lots of stuff, and obviously this this huge opportunity came up. So yeah, I took full advantage. Yeah, that's a, that's the, yeah, I'm one of those people just, just thinking about the idea of emailing with David Sylvian. There are a few people that I get so like tongue tied and very excited about mm. among the, the, the handful. Yeah, I did. I had one really strange experience where I was, um, I was invited to Japan to do a couple of shows with uh, his brother, Steve Jansen. Um, and I, I was, he was only singing two or three songs. Uh, but one of them was um, uh, "Get the Hell Out" of the the Nine Horses album. Oh right, um, and uh, which is obviously one that David sings. Uh, so we, we we sung it, and it was it was fine, and the performance was great, and I was happy with all that. And then as we walked off stage, Steve whispered in my ear, um, uh, "Oh, we, you'll be able to ask David what he thought of your voice." Uh, and David had been there all along, so I had the really weird experience of singing a David Sylvian song. To David Sylvian. Oh wow! And, yeah, I mean, I'm glad. He, I'm glad he didn't tell me beforehand. But yeah, that, that was, if you know, I almost got a nosebleed kind of spontaneously from from even just thinking about that. So yeah, but he's a lovely man. He's he's, really, he's um and and I think probably what a lot of people miss is he's um is that he's got a really really dry sense of humour. He's very funny, and um you know I've only met him a couple of times in the flesh, but you know he's uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so fo- I I always would imagine him as being very subdued and <laughs> dreamlike. Yeah, I think a lot of people. Yeah, and you know he likes his privacy and all those things. But he's, yeah, um, you know, in emails and in conversation, he's he's a very funny man, very dry wit. Yeah, so. <laughs> I was uh, watching an interview, one of your interviews this morning. Something that came up, and you were talking about uh, saving your lunch money for. Uh, buying records, which I used to do too. It sort of surprised mm. me. I didn't remember anyone who did that. So your your love for music has been long lived, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I can pretty much remember the moment when it sort of became real. Uh, and it was, um, I mean, I, there's always been music in the house when I was growing up. And, you know, I learned, or it started to learn lots of different instruments. But there was, um, my cousin lent me um it was a double album of kind of late period Beach Boys stuff, later period Beach Boys stuff, so kind of the 70s stuff that they did. Uh, and there was a song on there, um, which was actually a Dennis Wilson solo song uh, called River Song from Pacific Ocean Blue. Uh, and I can remember listening to that and, uh, and for the first time feeling the tug of that kind of, that melancholy, which I guess is, is what most of the music I listen to if there's a kind of common thread that runs through it, it would be that. Um, and, I mean, you know, it sounds, it sounds um, a little bit pompous, but that was kind of the first time I realised that there was, there was more going on, you know, that, that, that music touched something more than just my ears. Oh, right. And, um, yeah, and, I, and that, actual, that piece of music is still the same for me. Um, you know, even all these years on. Um, but yeah, and I think from 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 that moment on, I spent, um, and that was probably nine, maybe eight or nine years old. I spent as much time as I could trying to recreate that feeling, trying to find that feeling again in, in other music. That's that's what I've always looked for. You know, because I think I think in life, you know, we do. Uh, 
if there's one thing we all have to struggle against, it's kind of numbness. Um, it's very easy to kind of fall into that, you know, uh, you switch the television on, you know, you have a beer, um, and you try and forget about the day. Um, and, you know, especially if it's been tough, uh, it's very easy to just kind of slip into that grey area. And I think, I think um, you know, music is, is still, you know, the best way to get yourself out of that. And even if it's feeling sadness, um, I'd rather feel that than nothing, if you know what I mean. So, so yeah, music kind of, I don't know, like it encouraged me to be miserable. <laughs> <laughs> what a gift. Yeah. <laughs> when you mention... Uh, what- trying to turn off at the end of the day i it it makes me wonder about what your process as a musician has become so i'm i'm guessing and maybe i'm wrong at this point in your career you've um moved to a point where you don't have to have uh two jobs one to like pay the bills and and a second being the music it yeah what has that transition been like for you uh well i mean strictly speaking i I should really have a job because, uh, <laughs> yeah, te- technically I'm very poor. Uh, but if for me, it just um, uh, it's it's given me the opportunity to uh, uh, focus on on making. Um, well, it's given me the opportunity to make a record and, and actually kind of focus all my attention and all my curiosity and all my openness on. Um, in one direction uh, whereas before you know I had to come home from work and I worked very long hours in a very physical job um, and so I'd have to tie my musical endeavours around you know family time and work time and, and it meant lots of late nights and it was kind of disjointed so I, when I was making Twice Born Men um, it, I mean in the end the fact that it kind of had a theme and the fact that it all hung together was was kind of more by more by luck than design and and now uh having had you know a couple of years basically to put this this last record together um the thing i found best about that was being able to plan ahead being able to decide what i wanted to talk about beforehand being able to adapt lyrics as i went along so that they they worked together so that they referenced each other um finding you know the theme and kind of sticking to it musically and you know, and it was a lot. My life was a lot more steady. Um, you know, in terms of being, you know, physically tired and emotionally tired, there was more. Uh, there was kind of less of that because just the, the the sheer wonder of being at home during the day and being able to kind of focus my energy in one way. Um, so it was, yeah, yeah, it was a positive time. Non-musical sounds, I'd love to hear about. I. Didn't I mean I always knew they existed in your music, but it wasn't till this morning. I always wait till the last minute to be like, huh, what other things can I ask about? So I found this interview on Drowned in Sound about uh, the dishwasher that exists on the new album. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm quite a fan of dishwashers. There was one on the pre- on the previous album as well. Yeah, um, a different dishwasher. You know, I'm I'm, I'm really mixing it up now. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, yeah, fresh. it's. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people that, that uh, and it's quite annoying, but w- when I'm out and about, uh, I, I hear lots of music in kind of almost everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's annoying for anyone else because I'm constantly recording things on my phone. Um, and it's quite frustrating for me, actually, because, you know, I don't get any peace at all. But, um, yeah, I... I, I I love the idea that, that you can you can turn that stuff into music and it almost becomes a challenge. 
Um, and a lot of the music that I, I, I listened to, um, especially, you know, in those kind of formative, those teen years, was, was quite extreme and involved, you know, banging fire extinguishers or, you know, uh, I think I've got one that was recorded uh, using the sides of a bridge as, as kind of the, a percussion instrument. Um, and, you know, things like that always intrigued me. I mean, how could that be music? How could you turn that into music? But what it was was these people with, with kind of uh, the vision and, and, and the will more than anything else to kind of point at something and say, you know, this is music because I say it is. Right. Um, and, I mean, you know, it was a racket, but it's kind of exhilarating when people just, you know, throw the rule book away. Um, the problem I've had is um, that as much as I wanted to make extreme music and kind of indulge myself in that way, uh, whatever I do always comes back to, um, you know, form and um, hooks and uh, so uh, I guess a more traditional way of, of, of writing songs. So, so this is my compromise that, you know, I can use these sounds. And what, what you end up with is our sounds on records that aren't anywhere else you know, to make what you do individual. Um, and if you can weave those things in, uh, you know, I think it, you know, because people on some subconscious level maybe know those sounds, you know, I mean, the dishwasher uh, sound, you know, we, we've all opened doors that squeak. We've all, all, you know, when you take something out of the dishwasher, there's a, if you, if you hit the kind of rack bit, there's a kind of thump sound that resonates out through the metal work. And, you know, I, I, I think on some some subconscious level, we kind of recognise that stuff. And uh, when I was recording the album as well, there was um, uh, where I was working. It wasn't soundproofed at all. I mean, I was in the garden and it was quiet. But if you actually listen, it's not quiet at all. It's you know, there's birds making a hell of a racket. There's planes going over. And I think if you if you soloed any of the vocal tracks on the record, you'd hear all that noise. Um, and I think there's part of the brain that kind of zeroes that stuff out. But another part of the brain that probably you know, absorbs all that, you know, so even, even though there's enough going on on the record that you can't hear those birds singing, I think somewhere in our brains, there's the possibility that we recognize it. And I think it's comforting as well, you know, to, to bring little pieces of your world into, into what you do artistically. Well, last thing I want to check in about was, uh, something that surprised me was that lyrics come last for you. Uh, for mm. some reason they, it, that surprised me. I don't know why it doesn't seem that bizarre, but um, I guess yeah. because everything seems everything works so well together somehow I felt like lyrics had to come first for you but you guys throw all the music together yeah it's uh, I mean to be honest it's not it's not quite that clear cut what, what tends to happen is uh, I start to write on um, you know one instrument so I'll have I'll have a, an idea that's played on a on a banjo say um, and then so I'll record that and then the next part of the song, if I hear it played on something else, uh, I'll do that. So there'll be a piano that I add or, you know. So what, what happens is I end up with all these different parts of a song uh, that are kind of written, not so much on an instrument, but generally, more generally on the studio, you know, just right. sounds that, that, that are in my head. Um, and then the kind of tricky bit is making those, those separate parts join together somehow you know, sonically, so that, that there are things that kind of glue them together. And then at, at some point, you know, a phrase or um, a hook or, you know, something that I've been singing to myself while, while you know, playing the music back and, and working on the, the actual sound of it, something will stick, you know, and then that leads to another line, which then 
you know, the melody of that will lead me to change something that's in the recording, the mix, you know, which will then lead to another melody line, which, you know, and everything is connected. Um, and the, what usually happens is I get to the end of the song and the bit that I started with has disappeared and I can no longer trace the route that I follow because it just involves, you know, a million micro decisions. Um, and, and that kind of goes with the lyrics as well. Until I get to the end, I've got kind of a mix of the, of the, the music. Um, and then with the, you know, the lines that have kind of come together while I've been doing that, I build the lyrics from that, you know, and then if there's a theme that I have, then have to refer to, I try and bear that in mind. And, but basically it was, it was kind of, you know, you spend, you know, maybe a month doing the song. Uh, and then I, I would spend a week, um, you know, trying to get the lyrics spot on to kind of, you know, to kind of fit. Um, cause it, I have with music, no matter how much I love the sound of something, if the lyrics are bad or I don't believe them, um, that ruins everything for me. In a way, they're kind of more important, you know. Right. Uh, which is kind of weird because uh, it's uh, one of the one of the one of the artists that I've I've always kind of, uh, you know, I've kind of uh, missed out on a bit was Bob Dylan. Um, and it's not through through want of trying, you know. Lots of friends have done lo- you know lots of compilations for me to try and get me into it. But I mean, his thing is is all about lyrics, right? You know, and so I should love what he does. Um, but it's uh, you know, there's two albums that you know I do love now. But but you know, it's taken a lot of work, which is quite surprising to me because you know because the lyrics are such a focus for him and because his work is so beautiful. So uh, I don't know that's quite odd as a kind of side note. But um, but yeah, so so. Uh, I spend yeah a lot of time trying to make the lyrics right and trying to make them easy to sing, you know, because it's all very well finding interesting words, but you know, parentheses for example in Joyful Reunion, I kind of I, I thought about that long and hard and sung it lots and lots of times before finally you know because I like the word and I like the metaphor, but as a word parentheses isn't immediately brilliant to sing, <laughs> right? But you know, so everything's a consideration, and it's yeah, it's everything is tied to everything else, as it as it probably is in life, really. Um, but it's just a kind of really long, you know, journey, I guess, for, um, you know, through from the beginnings of an idea to a song, through to the end, you know, and something lyrics on. It's nice through uh, having access to recording at home or like creating small studios to have that sort of luxury, yeah, to. To have an yeah. audio notepad in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, when I consider now what I you know, the the capabilities that I have, and to be honest, I mean, my setup is is about as simple a setup as you could have, really. I mean, uh, I made twice born men on a laptop um, with some hi fi speakers. Um, and this one I kind of upgraded. I got a faster computer with a bigger screen. I got a second screen. And I got some, um, you know, mixing speakers that were, you know, a bit more helpful. Yeah. But um, I, ha- I didn't add anything in terms of, you know, outboard and blinking lights and, you know, rack mount stuff and all the stuff that normally populate studios. It was all the stuff that came with the music program that I used because, you know, too many possibilities and I'd just get lost forever, you know, you know. In yeah. Tinkering <laughs> about with I- yeah. That sounds, and and but when I think now that basically the capabilities that I have would have cost a million pounds, you know, twenty five years ago, uh, it's ridiculous. But it's brilliant because it completely democratizes the whole thing, you know, and it means that 
uh, when people say to me, oh, there's no good music out there anymore, you know, I could, I could spend an hour on the internet and find them five brilliant things, you know. I mean, that, that's, I guess, the downside of it all is that you, you, you have to wade through an awful lot of not-so-great stuff to find, you know, the gems. Because you know anybody with a computer can make music now, but right. at the same by the same token, it's it's brilliant. You know your imagination is completely unfettered. Um, and I get you know the other frustration I have is when I read things and you know this turns up on on Twitter a lot and people tweeting about you know oh it's not real music made of computers blah blah blah. And really, all it does is it um, it uh, lessens the disconnect between your imagination and actually getting the stuff down somewhere. So you have an idea, you know, which might involve editing stuff, but you don't have to sit there for a day with a razor blade and two-inch tape chopping it up. You can do it in five minutes and get back to your imagination. You can get back right. to, you know, so there's, once you're fairly fluent in, in how the music program works, which to be honest, most of them are fairly sort of straightforward, um, you can make something. I mean, the, the first thing I ever did on Logic, which is the program that I use, is the first song on the first album. Um, it was just a case of, I, I think a friend kind of showed me kind of vague outline of what to do, and then he, and then he just said, well, the best, the best way to learn is just to do it, um, which is what I did. And, you know, it's, it's great. It's great because, you know, I, I, my ambition for this record was to make, make it sound like it was recorded in... Um, Abbey Road um, but you know it was done in my living room you know staring out over a garden so we should wrap it up I want to um, we're going to listen to Forget to Breathe which is is it officially from your first album or was that like a sort of something else <laughs> no no it was uh, it was basically the first thing I ever did that I had complete control over uh, I sort of came out of various bands and I think there'd been a rock band before that and and I basically wanted to make something with strings and I had this idea for a song so it was kind of it was it was the the really 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 early stages of Sweet Billy Pilgrim um, and it's kind of I guess lyrically quite uh, naive but I, I I just love the strings on it and I love yeah the, the kind of the, the, there's a middle eight section where it all goes mad um, and yes that, that was <laughs> That was a great cathartic moment for me. Just you know, I was recording it in a cellar, just basically hitting my guitar with things, and you know, trying to get it to feedback. And yeah, so it was. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it was the the first blossom of <laughs> Sweet Billy Pilgrim. Are those uh, live strings, or did you uh, use samples? Uh, no, it was completely live. Yeah, wow. was, and you recorded all of that. Um, I didn't do it. No, it was with a, a friend of mine. It was actually uh, my oldest friend who I did a kind of. Uh, I checked the mixes of the last album on his hugely expensive speakers, having made the album on my hugely cheap speakers. Um, <laughs> so um, I've kind of known him all my life, and he's he's just the best guy for string arrangements and for recording, you know, incredibly precisely. Um, and so I went to his studio, and we kind of I gave him I hummed him some things that I wanted in the string arrangement. He then wrote the string arrangement. And then, yeah, I just kind of came in and watched him record, I think it was three string players, and then we doubled them, or maybe tripled them as well. Um, and 
and yeah, so so it's kind of the I think I think one of two or three things I've ever done that's had live strings on it, and it's just glorious to watch. You know, that's just such a lovely sound. I was in tears all the way through. Uh, it's a beautiful track. I remember. I think it is the first song of yours that I heard, and I wish I could remember the name of the blog that I uh, discovered you on. But uh, I remember listening to it, being like, "Oh, I like this." You know, like enjoying it and then that middle eight happened and i was just like mm. okay it's <laughs> yeah. i love this guy yeah yeah so thank you for joining me on the show today and um we're gonna go on to listen to forget to breathe i guess i should say before we go that uh you can be found at sweetbillypilgrim.com yeah yeah and we've got a uh, facebook page that's um regularly updated and you know we talk to people and there's the twitter obviously sweet billy p so yeah come and say hi and um uh and thanks so much for having me michael it's lovely talking to you yes great talking to you too last thing sorry i made it sound like i was finished <laughs> right, right. The, the album in uh it's a little tricky to find in the states do you have any idea when you'll have distribution in the united states well, we're, we're working on that. It's, it's a question of finding someone who's interested in doing it. Um, so uh, the best bet at the moment is um, Amazon.co.uk uh, or recordstore.co.uk because both of those, um, you'll pay a little bit more for the postage, but you won't have to pay for the import sticker. Oh, which I think, okay. I, I think if you go Amazon.com, they have to import it and they will charge you for their you know, import fee. So it's, it's better to kind of get it from the UK. And, you know, as I say, the postage, unfortunately, is a little bit more. But, you know, I think that's possibly the cheapest option for, for US people. Good to know. I don't know what the problem is. Let's let's get on it, USA. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> come on. This thing. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining me. And uh, here is Forget to Breathe from Sweet Billy Pilgrim. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. My shoulders
doesn't hurt me Do you want to feel how it feels Do you want to know that it doesn't hurt me Do you want to hear about the deal that I'm making you It's you and me And if only I could I'd make a deal with God And I'd get him to swap our places I'd be running up that road Be running up that hill Be running up that building If only I the bullet lies unaware I'm tearing you asunder there is thunder in our hearts is there so much hate for the ones we love tell me we both matter don't we you Make a deal with God And I'd get him to swap our places I'd be running up that road Be running up that hill Be running up that building If only I
and make a deal with God Get him to swap our places I'd be running up that road, be running up that hill With no problems If only I could, I'd make a deal with God Get him to swap our places I'd be running up that road, be running up that hill With no problems If only I could, I'd make a deal with God Get him to swap our places I'd be running up that road, be running up that hill No problems If only I could Be running up that hill No problems
There's a certain slant of light Winter afternoons That oppresses like the heft Of cathedral tunes Heavenly hurt it gives us We can find no scar But internal difference where the meanings are None may teach it any Tis the seal of despair An imperial affliction Sentence of the air When it comes the landscape listens Shadows hold their breath when it goes to slide the distance on the look of death That was David Sylvian with A Certain Slant of Light. That's from uh, Died in the Wool. Um, also in that set, Blue Nile with Tinsel Tan in the Rain, one of my all-time favorite songs. Theo Blackman Running Up That Hill, the cover of the Kate Bush song. And uh, Sweet Billy Pilgrim with Forget to Breathe. Thanks again to our guest, Tim Elsenberg, for joining us today. Uh, what a great interview. Thanks, sir. All right, so we're going to wrap things up. The show's about to end. I mentioned earlier a contest. All you have to do to earn this copy of uh, Crown and Treaty, the new Sweet Billy Pilgrim CD, is um, somewhere, iTunes, your blog, 
Mm, Twitter, not so much. Should be like a blog post or a or a iTunes uh, comment uh, review, I guess I should say. Somehow or other, promote this show, MikeyPod. MikeyPod.com, by the way. MikeyPod at gmail.com. And I will send you uh, then whoever is the first person to do that. Oh, or should I say the most impressive person to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Um, they will get a copy of the album. <laughs> I hope it's not something sad like only one person does it. But then they will be the most impressive person. So let's do this um, in the next two weeks. Uh, whoever is the, the most... Um, beautifully <laughs> this is such a weird contest whoever is the most beautifully speaking of this podcast wins the cd so there you go thanks so much for listening thank you to our guest tim today and um, we're gonna wrap things up with a track from the the i'm gonna bring it down a little bit i lost a friend a couple weeks ago and uh, this song goes out to michael talk to you guys in a couple weeks <laughs>